welcome back to Don't mm -hmm. Worry About It with Neeks. And welcome back, Kofi. How we doing? Second time on the podcast. Yeah, happy to have you here. Um, so we were, as we've been talking and we wanted to talk about for a while now, Prem. Wow. Um, these last games, I don't have much. I mean. <laughs> we're four game weeks in. And we have enough drama for literally the first half of the season. At least the first half of the season. I mean, there is so many goals being scored and no games with no goals at all, which speaks to just how many goals there are in each game. And the also the quality of the game, some of them, I mean, they're, the entertainment, really, it's not actually the quality of the football. Some of it's been, hmm, but for the most part, it's pretty good. But that being said, it's also the just like what we're getting, the amount of just tensity, VAR, late goals. We got red cards. There's so Bar came in to try and get rid of the controversy. And now Bar has created the most controversy the premise seen in a long time. And you're right, the historical beginning in terms of goals scored, like First couple, there's never been a higher scoring first couple of weeks. I, it's not. I'm just not getting over that because I mean, like think about the even the earliest game, one of the earliest game, Liverpool leads like four three. That's the the winner of the Prem and the winner of the Championship playing each other, and that's what happens. Yeah. These teams. Say it. What was like two was the tactical battle. Like Bielsa has come yeah, in. Bielsa, he incorporates a awesome style, and he's 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 like a tier. He's a tier. He's top tier class A manager in the world, and he's influenced other managers. And to bring a championship team in, watch a performance like that. That was just we didn't even know what we were getting into, but that was such a great way to open the season. Oh man, that was easily one of the best starts to a season for Leeds specifically. I mean, they come out with this I mean they've had this documentary my friends keep telling me about it who's also a Spurs fan David and he freaking I'm hearing and I actually like Bielsa a lot I've liked the style of play a ton I've always considered that style of play I mean press high and you know you can build but you can also just find the counters all the time and I, I mean you see it with Liverpool too it's a style of play that can I mean it works it's it's won a lot for both teams. I mean, they're competing highly because it's a very effective, but can, when countered correctly, like they did, where it was four to three, so pretty could have evened out either way and, or, you know, gone the other way solely off one goal. I mean, the goal difference and, man, those guys, they, it just, I, and also Bielsa's Argentine, so I just can't, I got to support the guy, you know. But, I, I mean, it was like that along with the series of new signings that are also coming in the league. Man, I mean, these guys are performing well. I mean, I, I think yeah, I, it's, a, it's a super open start to the season. Both not only well for the viewership and for the neutral, but also bodes well for these new signings, as you're saying. These guys have come in. Each of the big six have bolstered. Pretty much, except for United. United's fucking garbage. But each like the other teams have made had like incredible windows, and even teams like Villa, they've had an insane window, and they're doing well. 
and I mean, it's the openness is exciting because you have Everton on top of the league, you have Leicester up there, you have Spurs and Liverpool obviously up there. I mean, anything can happen. And with the first international break, like everybody takes a deep breath and then the next couple of game weeks are going to roll around and it's just going to get even crazier. Yeah, man. You know, I've actually, I've considered this a lot. I mean, Spurs, I've always had like a faith in Spurs, not just since Spurs fan. No, no, no. I'm saying as in seeing the, the play, when you guys were good, it's very impressive play. You beat the good teams, but there's a certain level of consistency that I think could be achieved with the amount of players you had, I think. Yeah. And your new signings have been probably some of the best new signings you'll get. Reggie Long, Bale, um, there's uh, Doherty. Sorry? Hoiberg has been incredible. Hoiberg has been great, too. I didn't expect that one. The Prem season so far. He's a really good screener in front of the back four, and it's something we missed since, like, the Wanayama Debele days. Absolutely. And exactly, that's what I was thinking. It was that he doesn't – he didn't impress in Southampton, but when he came in, it was it was higher than I could have expected with this guy because he filled a – he filled a hole, too. He was definitely underrated. I think he was amongst – he fits well when he's amongst the players that can support him like that. And, I mean, he was – he was just – he was stringing stuff together, but also just maintaining a force that you guys lacked for a while. I, I, I can really imagine is because it's hard to play that position of, you know, two-way, but still manage to guard holes in the defense. I mean, it's basically He's the deepest holder. I mean, when we've been starting two in the midfield, which is what Mao's been doing, it's been like Hoiberg and Winks, Hoiberg and Dombele. Right. He's played every minute of the Prem season, and we're getting the rotation in for the Europa League and, and League Cups. But um, that, that also, I think a big hole was your outside backs. I mean, Serge and like there was Danny Rose, Danny Rose, and um, years. Sorry, and then it was Danny Rose for like twelve years. Yeah, yeah. Ben Davis. It was Ria, who's still right. good. A great RA. He played really well against United, but he yeah, he played well against a, a team that didn't know how to defend. He's got an uphill battle to climb against Doherty, I think. Yes. And regular on is fun. no, so I think like those signings, Doherty and uh, Reguilon, they were both huge for you because they're from um, quality teams where they've shown that they can do exactly what you've needed, which is a lot of running, a lot of running. Doherty covers the space really well, but he still does a lot of running. And look, Regulo is just a freaking, like, uh, what's it called? The roadrunner. <laughs> He's freaking flying, man. So that's, been, that's a big part of your play is, like, why Serge Aurier actually thrived, but also been exposed because he needs to do a lot more than he can. Um, but, yeah, you guys had a good game against United. That was uh, – and that being said, they were also like I. So I was thinking about this earlier. He, I think that loss, six one and a red card. You could argue it's worse because that's just a. If someone's getting a red card, straight red card, by the way, that's shit. I mean, and you can say whatever; it's not his fault. The fact that he got in that situation, Martial, like, I think 
I think I mean, that speaks more to the game and the shitness of that team. It's like if someone's getting a red card on your team, there's something wrong with you. Can't you? You 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 fucked up. And you six one. Mello sold it really well. Of course, of course. I also think the game wouldn't have been that different without the red. Uh, yeah, you, I, I could argue with that. They were bad. The defense play was heinous. Bad. And it's, it's not even like, yeah, once the red happened, we were much more dominant, but it's it not. Downhill, it was more of a downhill battle. But the second goal, it was before the red. And that's. No, I, no we had momentum. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but that, that being said, I mean, well, actually, that speaks to the lack of fans there. I mean, you don't really get momentum in Old Trafford. It's very hard. Yeah. So. But that's been a big thing about the premiere this year is mm-hmm. home and away. Does it matter? Does it not matter? Like, what can we expect? And at this point, it's such an open variable that it's probably safe to assume that home home field advantage, dude. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's home is what you want to make it. It's what you make of it, really. I guess it's that if you do well anywhere. It's your home. I mean, that's kind of how we think about it. Like, this is our house. We freaking we dominate when we come here, kind of thing. It's th- not the idea that it's actually physically yours, but it's. Uh, I don't know. It makes it a lot easier to make a comeback. I think, in the sense that you can build momentum if your team is good. Really, is self reliant. Actually, is what I think. If your team is, you can. It, it might expose teams even. Because if you have selfish players and you can hear everything, they might have to change their. It just it's that's just a theory. I mean, it's a whole new hypothesis. But it's let's talk about the let's talk about the upstarts, the the teams who maybe didn't have the ratings, didn't have the players, didn't have the seasons last year, but were playing well this year. West Ham, Villa, for sure. West Ham and Villa are the two biggest shops. Leicester is a decent shout, just given that they were so shit at the end of last year. Post-restart, they were awful. They were they, one of the worst. And they were starting a battle run before that, too. Yeah. So their start to the season was hopeful until that until West Ham came up to yeah. – came up. If they're just replacing – I mean, if they're doing the same thing again, is what I'm saying, is like that they're, uh, they're doing well in the beginning. <clears throat> they ride this wave and then a little bump in the road and they – well – yeah, and they just kind of fall. And it um, – yeah, it was hard to see them play towards the end of – like, you know, I'm saying towards the end of the season, but not really, I guess, because it was – in the beginning of the year, they started having those poor away games, and it was like, oof, I don't know if this is the same Leicester anymore. Like, they kind of – and so hopefully they're not doing the same thing and they don't fall apart. And I think they can keep this run. I would love to – I love Leicester. Like, I can't hate them. Like, like I hate them when we play them. But outside of it, you can't – I love what Vardy's doing. Dude, 33-year-old just balling. Yeah, but the, all of his goals are pens. Like, his goals are goals, man. He's doing – he's doing the shit in old age for some – and he is making them happen, too. He's making these pens happen. He's not like – he's not just little, the guy who's taking them. He's not the guy who's – yeah, he's putting himself in situations where he couldn't score. And he'll score and run a play too. So, it's fun. I don't know. It's, he's still out here. I, yeah, he's still out here. 
I really, like I see Vardy as kind of the standard striker, but I still think Kane is 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 better and more multifaceted. And yeah. at the end of the as a Spurs, I'm not gonna really ever say otherwise. But I think his his performances up until now in the Premier League. Oh, he's still freaking class. I mean, what does he have? Six assists and two goals in the opening. Yeah, court? he's done. He's done well. He's done. He's really shown his class, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's no matter what role he's playing, and no matter who you put around him, he's gonna be able to adapt to what Mourinho needs him to do. And we're seeing that now with his deep line role, with his long balls, and all that. And that comes with the fact that he's still probably the best finisher, one of the best finishers on the planet with, like, Lewandowski. I, so, <laughs> I agreed with most of that, except that I don't see – well, no, I, <laughs> I, would, say, I would say his, um, his class would be definitely – I mean, what he's done, the class of play, I guess, not the actual – he is cla- – well, he is. But he, that's not the point. I'm saying that he – I think he's done – exceptionally well in the deep line role. I mean, you see those assists. I mean, the, the way he's playing those assists as well is instinctive. And um, he he's just done a good job of that, I think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that, I guess. I was thinking, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to agree that he's the best and is one of the best in the world. I'd say he's the, one of the most natural. I think he's able to just get a foot on the ball pretty much every time. He is rare. As a I think he's top three. I think when he finishes, yeah, I get top five. You saying? No, as a finisher, I think he's top three. As a striker, he might be. He might not be top five. That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, I guess I, then I, I, yeah, I was kind of putting my finishing and striker as a combination of his ability to hit a target, go backwards, and power. Like if you give him space within twenty yards of the goal, he's probably going to score. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'd agree with that. And I and I definitely also say he's, that he's really well. No. He smashes the ball. Like he doesn't depends. Oh, yeah. And he wasn't even close. But I want I wanna go back to I wanna go back to West Ham. So West going Ham. into going into week three, they had uh Wolves at home. And I thought Wolves are probably gonna beat them. Wolves yeah. are really good last year. They've been good the past two years. West Ham have kind of been escaping relegation, just staying in that neutral zone of like 13th to 17th-ish. And yeah. West Ham just balled on them. 4-0. Wolves didn't really have that many chances. And this is like also kind of why everybody loves West Ham. And in, in like not loves in the love way, but in a begrudgingly respect the – consistency and just the the premier league mold they fit in being a mid-table team who's gonna give teams problems this early season form is hopeful for them because i saw them as like a 17th 16th place team in the league and they beat wolves 4-0 at home and then travel up north to leicester and beat them 3-0 like this those are two two top seven teams in my opinion or top eight yeah no, it's wild. I mean, seeing them, I've yeah, I've I'd agree with that 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 uh, 
it's a begrudging respect. I've never loved them, but I've also never hated them. And you're I've like, never- yeah, it's never something, it's never that easy to love, but I can appreciate, I can talk, I mean, dude, Michael Antonio, Boston right now. The, the, the word is Boston. Underrated. Mm. Oh, man. He is, he is a guy, kind of reminds me of, uh, of Kane and the fluidity of, that, of the shot, like how he just steps in. Now, Kane obviously creates more. I mean, he's, he's in a different situation than those shots, but, like, he's given a single or, you know, three shots, and he's banging them. May not go in, but he's hitting them. He's forcing a save, hitting them hard. He's, um, he's creating chances, really. And it's, but it's Bowen, man. And also – um, the center backs have been really – Obona and um, – I can't remember. Diop. Diop, yes, yeah. Diopo and then – Declan um, Rice. He's done so well. He's just so – he's grown yeah. in player really well. Hmm? People thought he'd leave this window, but he didn't. I know. Everyone – yeah, I've kept – I didn't hear much, though. I didn't hear that much about it, but it was definitely speculation. I mean, it made sense. He's a young player. He can go anywhere but he, I mean, he's enjoying the club. I mean, and they're doing really well, like you said. And uh, but then they've got. I mean, going up, I could keep listing the players, but those guys, um, they're performing at probably their top tier right now, and it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. If they were winning at home, though, how nuts would that be? I mean, imagine like a real home game with the fans and ah, scenes, but. Right now, they're riding this wave in their own amongst themselves, which is, I mean, it's what a college team does. It's what we do most of the time. We're mostly just together. We call each other up. I mean, and other levels as well, they just won't have as many fans or no fans at all, but are not enough. That, like, <clears throat> you know, you're riding on a fan's wave. It's, you know, this is, it's really their set themselves. And I think as long as, I don't, I think they could keep it going. I'm like, my main problem is will they do it when the fans are back because that it's just I think it's such a big you know causation of play like the causation of style of play and quality of play I think I mean you just look at games that have changed that flipped on a dime freaking just you see the ability of a support just the noise pure noise um <clears throat> and that and that's so that's what, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, you think they could they could keep doing it? I also wanted to bring them up because after international break, so next weekend, not this weekend, their Spurs are hosting them, and it's going to be a huge game for us, given that we just destroyed United, coming off of a bad draw to Newcastle in the league. So, like, I don't know what to expect. It's kind of – it makes it all the more exciting for West Ham to be rolling into this match with good form because I know if Kane and Son go crazy and they do what they do and we get a result, it'll mean that much more given the fact that they've been playing well and beating these good teams. But I think they can keep it going. Like their, their, their run of fixtures is actually really, really tough though. I think it's Spurs, Liverpool City. I don't know if that's the order. But I know they have those two after Spurs, and like that's that's hard. They have Spurs, host City, and then away at Anfield, which is just ridiculous. 
But if they can keep it going and they get enough points from these matches, when the the green part of their schedule comes up, they're gonna be they're gonna be flying hot. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I mean, when you when you say green, like the green part of the schedule. Green patch, like easy games, Westbrook. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> I was thinking of like, yeah, no, that's not. Um, I just checked. The, I was checking and then I lost track of thought there. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking of those that Spurs-Liverpool City games. And it's like, man, they um, – that's gonna be a rough go of it. I, I think I think they can they can do well. Um, you know I think they can uh, they can give performances, but I don't think they. Huh? I don't know. I I don't want to say I don't think they'll win because I think they can get. get those six points against Leicester Wolves. Because if they don't get any points from the next three, nobody will be surprised. Yeah. Pity themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. That's um, yeah. And then there's Villa. Yeah, Villa have looked incredible, but they also have like a decently tough run. Well, it's, not, it's not too bad, but they I know they have they have uh, Leicester and Leeds, and the two well managed teams who yeah. are looking to finish mid table. So if Villa yeah. wants going, yeah, I think they conceded two goals all season, three wins from three. Oh yeah. They're looking great. Tyrone Mings captaining them. Uh, obviously, that bolstered midfield. That Barkley transfer went under the radar because there was Chelsea offloading a midfielder they didn't need. But he takes a lot of the pressure off of Grealish and Watkins, and I think that's why with him coming in, they flourished against Liverpool. Yeah, I. <clears throat> that's one thing I noticed um, in the when I watched that. That was the first full half of anything I've gotten to watch. <laughs> and uh, I watched I watched the worst thing ever. It was like four, one and a half. And that was, but the main thing I noticed, which was like so hard to appreciate at the time, but was their eff- effectivity on the counters. I mean, holy shit. We were getting torqued. I don't want to say we, but Liverpool, the back line, Fabinho, why now? Just oh my god! It was the easiest, the most fluid thing I'd seen, and it was kind of the same thing I saw in Leeds. Is when they did it well, it gets through, it breaks. But I don't think anything can break. I mean, any system works. Half of that is Liverpool's high line. Like they're playing a really high line this year, and they're playing it so they can sustain the pressure that their front three put on, like Firmino and Mane. You know, they're two of the best pressers on the planet, but. If you play that high of a line, you got to be fucking ready to run back. And um, they just look like VVD looks immobile. Trent looks uninterested. Robertson has been great. I think he's been no, the best. Of- no, I wouldn't say – I'd say Robertson's been – yeah, Robertson's done really well. But Trent is – I wouldn't – I can't say he's, he's nothing because he's, he's a great player, but I think he's not – it's like out of sync more than anything. You see it, it's not a necessarily like personal, um, you know, solo, he's not doing well. Because Van Dyke also is not doing as well, but I think, I don't think he's immobile, but I'll go back to that in a bit. Um, but I think Trent is, 
Uh, he's, he still shows his class, but he's, he just looks when whoever's – who is it, the center back freaking Gomez? He just, like – there's something that happens sometimes with them, and especially it didn't help with that Adrian was a goal, but that's – the main thing is that they're playing for the center back. <sighs> the hell is heinous. I don't even want to get into that. It's too easy to talk about. But uh, – but Trent, I, it just – it was a – he couldn't get the balls moving. I mean, he could make passes because he's always getting the ball. But – and he's – and when he loses the ball, there's moments where he just looks flat, like you said. And he just looks dis, disengaged, really. And uh, that's really like you said, was that disengaged. And he – and but it's not necessarily that. I don't know. He just hasn't considered it or something. He's not – maybe he didn't know that the position he was and that was lack of communication. There's a series of – things but it looks out of sync it doesn't look it yeah. you can see it when he's done not well it's because he's out of sync with the players because usually he doesn't have to look up he's just swinging uh crosses in like it's i mean it's amazing he's just doing it because he knows and when he wasn't it's because he doesn't seem like to he knows where his players are right now and it's early i mean it is like match with four so there's a lot of time that's a big part that's that's much of what we're talking about. It's so early. Yeah. And so I'd give them time. I'd give them time, really. Um, I mean, and Van Dyke, I think the same thing. They're going to need it. I know. But, freaking, you mentioned it earlier, international break. So that helps a lot. Freaking Tiago, Allison, Mane. Uh, Mane. Those are huge. I mean, you could see the holes that they were needing to cover with Jota. And um, not and like seeing Fabinho back in that position, he's a sick center back, by the way, <laughs> great center back. But that being said, he just I don't know, he didn't do as well as he we've seen from Fabinho. Um, but Thiago, the way he controls when he was okay, first off, disclaimer. I don't know if it's a huge gap though. The midfield, Liverpool's midfield, oh, incredible. I wouldn't say gap. It's a. It's a control thing more than anything because it's, it's not like a gap because, I mean, the space is filled. It's how they control that space and where they take it. And why, first off, disclaimer, Tiago is like, oh, my God. I've never actually always been happy to see something about him just because he's so – I've loved him forever. I loved him when he was at Barcelona. And then I kind of lost, like, oh, he went to Bayern – but whatever, I kept watching. I just knew this guy. Nasty. Hmm? Just won a little Champions League with Bayern. No big. Oh, nothing big. Yeah. And he's, yeah. And, but he, just the, the way he moves the ball, though, just seeing, and then seeing him now. I didn't know he was going to come to Liverpool. I didn't think of that ever. I wouldn't have imagined that, thinking he was in Barcelona and then on Bayern. I thought he would change, but I didn't know where. And I didn't think of Liverpool at the time. I mean, it wasn't something in our wheelhouse for a long time. And then, now it's becoming – it became more and more apparent. But that being said, he's so good on the ball. And you see him communicating really well and just – I mean, it's – I've never seen someone control the ball with that much ease and that much effectivity. He's just I – mean, The Arsenal game in game week three, that was a master class from Liverpool. And with, with subbing Thiago on in that game was just – It was huge. It, 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 the football was gorgeous. And then the Chelsea game. Oh my God! We played like as as Sham said. We played like gods. I think I met no, no, I met the Arsenal. 
Did they? Did you guys? I agree with the Arsenal game, but also the Chelsea game. And man, they were good. But um, or he was good. He was real good. I mean, I, I like him a lot. But um, so those guys come and Allison, same thing. I mean, Adrian's just not Allison. He's not that He's good. Um, and then I mean, Jota's new. So I, I've given more time. I think he's really good already. He's fine. But Mane, man, he is a just superstar. The control he puts on that he can put on the ball and make it look so easy. It's uh, he has the ball on a string. It's ridiculous. His energy. He's he yeah, and he and he's constantly working. And that was so evident in the play. That was a big thing. I mean, we lose the ball. We can lose the ball, but we gotta get it back somehow. We got to get it back. That's how you think. I mean, that's the idea, at least, with the gig and press and club style of play is like, you can lose the ball, but you will get the ball back. Or you don't lose the ball. <laughs> and we lost the ball a lot. So then they had kind of, you could see that it was, they would try and it just didn't work as much. And I think mine is just, that's the whole, that he loses when he doesn't play. And it's a shame. But and then there's Mr. Sackett himself, the most selfish footballer on the planet. Oh, he's so good. He's, he's so, so good. He's incredible. Oh, he's so fucking selfish. He took a yeah, ball. That's no, but you know, I someone mentioned this one time. Makes him who he is and it makes him great. Yes, and that is that is a trait. I mean, everyone says it, I guess. That's a truth. That's not yeah. a bad truth. It is what it is. And but it's also like don't hate on him for being the prolific goal scorer he is. His stats are unbelievable in his so Premier League. He makes like he's on par with Manchester United Ronaldo, which in many people's opinions is the best, if not almost as good as Real Madrid Ronaldo. And Salah is on par with him, if not at a scoring at a higher rate, which is I think it's a higher rate. And I mean, man, he's gonna yeah, he's gonna smash continue to smash records. I think I think he's he's not his peak is still peaking. He's still creaming of the cream. He is so good. He makes it look so easy. Huh? Creme de la creme. Creme de la creme. He, oh my God. It doesn't make sense. He, it's like he's got these two paddles on his feet and he's using them with his hands. It's much more control with his hands. Like how easy his feet kind of just take random. I mean, it looks so random as touches. He just kind of reaches. He looks like he's always reaching and, and he's just get barely getting the perfect touch on the ball. Like, Barely, not barely. I quote barely because, man, it's he does it so much. So you can't – luck doesn't work like that. He just he's, – he's good, though, and I'm, I'm loving it. He's um, – I think Firmino is still – I love him. I think he's very good. But I'm also a fan, so I have that biased opinion. That being said, what I appreciate about his play is something that you have to, I guess – appreciate through him because it's it's not the same thing you get out of a normal striker it's not the standard you get of of what strikers are known to do but we have two already and they're doing they're doing a good job for us and it's that is our way <laughs> but like the concept of a falling in huh he knows his role he knows his role he knows that i mean he's not super quick and fast he's just going to be he's 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 like slow paced I say that in that he um he can control the ball in a very just fluid manner that kind of slows down everything for him to be able to then he creates enough space for himself to remove or um 
uh, move the ball out of his feet, but he's not doing it in like, he's not covering, you know, a bunch of space. Sometimes he is, you know, he dribbles, but it's usually taking him some time or if he's doing it quickly, which is what you'll see a lot. He's just kind of taking a couple touches, just scan, like he's moving around. He's working as a much more of a, an attacking midfielder, but with, with a gap where he's given the striker's role as well. But he's really, I mean, it can't because you see the midfielders coming up. You see Keita, sometimes Wijnaldum, but not as much. But you'll see, I mean, and then he's already got the two solid Mane bombing down. So it's, it's. I mean, you, for example, we were talking about Kane. And it's, I get that you think he's so good. I mean, I agree that he's very good. I don't think he's top three personally, but... I still, I get it. I mean, I understand. As, as you watch him, as much as you, for, I mean, the reason you watch him as much as you do, um, you see what, uh, you see more of him and you see him as good. And so, I mean, he's, but that's just also at his position. And that is uh, that he's just a goal scorer, man. I mean, it's great. And now he's changing, obviously. We've seen his class there. But I'm saying that that's the, the number nine, usually, um, has he's known for he's been known for I guess as being that goal scoring nine. See with Lewandowski obviously, um, and Martial is supposedly trying to do it now. <laughs> um, and Michael Antonio Hardy. Yeah, exactly, uh, Michael Antonio. As Liverpool fans now know. Who? Watkins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ollie Watkins, that guy. <sighs> I mean, people, there's, there is like consensus that he would be a good transfer because he was he's good in the championship last year on Brentford, but he nobody could have seen Hattie against Liverpool. No, no one could have seen a hat trick. I was seeing though. I remember watching games because like that's I watch highlights. That's it, and you just see him creating chances in the highlights. They show highlights. They show like 15 minutes, so you're not just seeing like nonsense. They're usually showing like random little stuff. A lot of him is a lot of it is him, via Jack Grealish, and so it's not like I would have said that. Oh, he's going to score a hat trick against Liverpool. I would have said he's going to cause some trouble. Maybe like I would have given it to him. I'd give him. I'd give him the chance to give us some trouble. As I mean, everyone can. It's a, it's the Premier League, um, but he's done. He's done really well as well. And that so I that going back to Firmino, I think it's hard to criticize him when you know his role, when you don't know his role and you don't want to know his role or you don't want to accept the fact that his role is just that you're just being annoying. It's closed minded. And I think, but I still, I would, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think of Firmino? I don't know. That's kind of my take. I think he's under, as I said before, he understands his role. He the sacrifice to continue performing his role to the best of his ability. He knows that within the Klopp system and within the system that they've achieved all the success they have in the last two years, being the holders of the Prem and winning the Champions League two years ago, they didn't do that with him scoring 25 goals a season. They did that with him working hard. They did that with him getting assists. They did that with him opening up space for the midfielders to buy on. Like, he knows what he has to do, and he does it. And as a result, he sacrifices his statistics, but, like, he's willing to make that sacrifice in order to be successful and play an important role in a successful team, which, I mean, if you hate somebody for that, you don't know football. 
it, that's exactly what I was going to say was that he plays a role that as a player, you can appreciate watching him do it. But as a, as just a spectator with little experience of playing and seeing what a quality of play can be seen. I mean, you can just imagine it from playing so much, playing FIFA, whatever. Um, it's hard to appreciate when you just look at stats, you just look at highlights. And I mean, he can create some highlights, but you know, he's not most solid signing money. Like, he's just, he, he plays a role that, he does the dirty work, as a lot of people will say. And I agree, I mean, he does, he's not doing, um, I mean, he can pull off some of the most incredible moves and stuff and some of the most incredible passes. For the most part, he's making pretty simple passes, keeping it light. And he's, he's, I mean, you're bound to make mistakes when he's dropping into a role that is, it becomes compressed. He's between the lines. He'll come into the midfielders and the midfielder. I mean, it's, it's a situation where in the midfield, the ball can be lost a lot. That's where the ball is. Uh, possession changes all the time. So it's a position. that on the Hoffenheim, he did like play a false 90 kind of. Yeah. Camp. He wasn't a, he wasn't a, a striker in Hoffenheim. No, no, not at all. He was the same kind of player. He was that hold-up play kind of, but also can just play, move the ball wherever he can. Um, Let's go down to the whipping boys, down at the bottom of the table. The um, oh, with the whipping boys. <laughs> yeah. Who the freak? Two, under, two huge underachievers, Sheffield United and Burnley. Chris Wilder is <laughs> – for first manager to get sacked this year because Sheffield look abysmal. It's a bit of second season syndrome for them. Coming up last year, they were tough. They were steadfast, and they had a great fucking goalkeeper in Dean Henderson. With him going back to United and picking up Ramsdale, who's not as good, like, they, they look really, really rough. And then Burnley – you wouldn't expect this. They've been so consistent in the Prem for so long. Sean Dyche has always gotten the same thing, but something important from, from their end is they didn't get anybody in. They hardly made any transfers. They came into this, the beginning of this Premier League season with Ben Mee and Tarkowski injured, and they haven't been able to keep clean sheets, which is their core of their identity. And because they've never been good at scoring goals, they haven't been able to grab a win either. So yeah. they those two are struggling. And then the two that came up, West Brom and Fulham, people expected them, I think, to be just pushed back down. But, I mean, West Brom had that game against Chelsea. What yeah, they had a game. They, they – so – Game three, yeah. Yeah, I think Chelsea was game three. Yeah. Um, so, I agree. Um. Well, totally with Sheffield. I just looked at their fixtures. I've watched one game maybe because I'm pretty sure I just know they lose each time. And I think they, they – I just saw – I didn't think they've scored a goal yet. I mean – They have against Arsenal. They have now. Yeah, they scored one. I mean, man. That's it. Sorry? One goal in four games is no one. No, that is really bad. And especially when they're losing those games. At least they're not even keeping ties. And – um that being said, I mean, they – second season syndrome, absolutely. I mean, they they were a force to be reckoned with last, last season. They, they were – nobody liked playing Sheffield. Nobody liked playing Sheffield. Same thing with Wolves, but that's a – they've been like that. But but Sheffield, man, they I, – I mean, did they – they got like – they got a couple of players as well. So it's not like they have a good excuse. They just need to 
improve a bit. I mean, three five two maybe isn't working for them. They do play a different style of play, and that is a play that has to work because most systems are built for four in the back and then either three or uh, four midfielders. So they're built to, you know, off, often and defend, I guess, those. Um, and I don't know. Those are – it's diff- it may be difficult for them to adjust, but they can. Um, and freaking Burnley, man, I just saw that too. I, I've watched their – their play is the same. It's not like it's changed either, along with the fact that they didn't really get anyone new. Injuries are pretty huge for them. But having Ben, me, and Tarkovsky both be hurt at the beginning of the season. Absolutely. Really. That was not big. But I think even, even that, I think this, the way they play is a, a style of play that you can manage. I mean, you can, you can work with, with a lot of players. So it seemed like Sean was Daishi. I mean, I have never actually said his name, but he, Sean Daishi seems to have a – <laughs> um, he uh, he's had a consistent style and he's a consistent result type of um, managing style with this with Burnley and I don't know man I think they need to do something about it because it's it's kind of a system that if if it ain't broke don't fix it and it's one of those that it doesn't need need much change when it's implemented but right. it's broken and needs some fixing. Got a little cookie delivery. Lucky you. That's a <laughs> um. That being said, oh, oh. What am I, who's your favorite to get sacked first? Managers. Oh. Scott Parker is up there for me, just because Fulham. Fulham. That's what I was thinking. Fulham is in tatters and. The owner has been like tweeting, like, fans, the boys aren't performing, these performances suck. When the owner starts going like behind the manager's back and tries to call out the team selection and all that, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. Or the owner back up. The playoff. Fulham weren't great last year in the championship. No, they, they, they were all right. They got by. But they, I, I think one thing that you can appreciate about them is that they proved to be a Premier League team. Regardless of the fact that they're not good, they just do it. Mitrovic is a great striker, I, I think. I think he's performed quite well. Um, but for managers, I could – I don't know. <laughs> it should have been Ole. It should have been Ole months ago, maybe a year ago. <laughs> it should have been a while ago. But he uh, – it seems like they're confident in him. They're so I can't I can't say that it's only I don't know I mean I I agree Fulham is close I think that guy Scott Parker he's I've watched him I guess not that man yeah but yeah it could be only though if Ole so Manu goes to Newcastle this week or next week if if Newcastle get three points there Ole's got to be really in the hot seat. See, I, I, I think that, and we've said that before, <laughs> the more I think about it, we've said that he's put in the hot seat after this game. And the trend is that it doesn't happen. And <laughs> it's as sad as that is. I mean, it's not sad. It's good for him. But, man, they suck. They, I mean, they can perform well sometimes, but for the most part, they're not good. And then they're kind of 
also visibly like not in sync. I kind of, kind of what I was saying about Trent. You can see it with them. There is, they have good players. They're good enough. Luke Shaw's not your guy, but they just got Alex Tellis. So that, that was big. But the way they play, it's like when it doesn't work, you see it and it looks like they don't want to play well. It is yeah. so weird. And it's That's so wrong for them. I'm thinking and saying that Ole's lost the locker room because when you see players playing like that, it's part of it can be because they don't want to play for the manager because they've lost respect for the manager because the manager's lost the locker room. Like that, those aspects, like even so, Manu's team is the most expensive team in the league on wages. They're one of the most stacked on paper teams in the world. But when you look at those players, when you look at Pogba has been a disaster this year. The guy is like, it's, it's frustrating to talk about because so many people loved him and I loved him for a long time. He was a class act, but that tackle on Ben Davies in the box was horrendous was an awful – was just such a capitulation individually. Oh. And, yeah, the, like, yeah, it doesn't matter, and that could be a defense of Pogba's, but 6-1 looks worse than 5-1. Yeah. And play shows that you don't care. It shows that you're lazy even down four goals at home. Like, so they, have to, they clearly have to get some shit together. Yeah, there's a series of things that need to get shit together. I think that is definitely losing the, the possibility of losing the, the locker room was actually a th- – I think it was a long time ago. <laughs> I think he lost – he never had it, I think. He, like you said, you're pointing out things. They were one of the best, if not the best team in the league going forward during the restart. It looked like he had the locker room. Oh, yeah, they had – he had – I think he had them working together. I don't think he had the locker room. When you have the locker room, you have the locker room for a long time. I emphasis have because it's, it's something you see like with these successful teams. You don't have a couple games and then you go. You don't have a couple you know, uh, good performances and then you start being shit again. That doesn't work like that. You, you start working well and you start getting better and better and better. You'll have streaks, obviously. Like – but going down as bad as they have, you can't. Ima- I I can't imagine that he has the locker room because of that. I think he had. I think, like I was saying earlier, I think he had them in a cohesive unit of working together. I think he gotten Bruno Fernandez in, involved in the process really well, um, and I think that was huge. I I actually like that guy. I like how he plays. I hate Man United, but I like how that guy just swings at the ball and he'll just bang it sometimes. And it's freaking – it's fun to watch. I mean, his pens, it's getting very annoying how many penalties he has to take. But for the most part, he's a solid player. Um, but I think, dude, their, their signing of Harry Maguire, like, is underestimated as to how not – like, how big of a bust it's been. It's – it's meant no, One of the worst. He's, not- he's – what is it, the highest, most expensive center back in the world? No, Keppel was like 70 mil. Dude, that is the worst signing for a center back I've ever seen achieve. Him and take 80 million pounds in the turn. Just shows you million. He had yes, absolutely. But he um 
man, I mean, he, so, well, at Leicester, he had good performances, and he has good performances, like professional athletes have, but I've never seen as many fuck-up, well, mess-ups, <laughs> uh, mistakes, really, in, in so many games for a player that has paid that much. That just, that just kind of points to the value of money almost. That just points to, like, that $80 million is nothing, basically, is what they're saying, is that you can just get anyone you want at any cost, basically. And we'll sell them for however much you want, however much we want, really. And that just because he never – I think I never was impressed at, when he was at Leicester. I was never like, wow, this guy's really good. He's performing really well. You know who has? Soyuncu. I love Soyuncu. That guy's a beast. And he's got the freaking long hair. And he's like, he just performs at a beast level that Maguire was not. And the fact that they could just slip 80 mil and just get him. Oh, no. Heinous. It's an upgrade. Maguire to Soyuncu. And they made what? Like 60 million off it? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. But it's, it's unfortunate. McGuire is their captain at this point. He is also a laughing stock, a moving fridge. He is the double, header, the double header. So the game opened with <laughs> that double header. I forgot about that. United in what? Opening two minutes. Bruno buries it. And then McGuire fucking gifts us a goal by heading the ball into my. Heading the ball again. Emela, and then tackling Shaw, and, and then getting magged by Ndombele. And then, on this fifth goal, he got magged by Arier out wide. Yeah. Fifth goal was a double mag, low-key, because then Son Meg De Gea. But, yeah, Maguire, Maguire is, is absolutely useless. Business by United. They need to figure something out. I think the sooner you get Ole out, the better, because if, if they do, yeah, given that, Let's make a hypothetical that their form does improve. They, they, they get a result up at Newcastle. Um, then I don't know who they have after that, but they, they win a couple games, maybe draws a couple ties, losses, whatever, but their form improves. There will be another point where they have an embarrassing performance. And at that point, you would have said, we should have gotten rid of Ole at the international break. I think the sooner they get rid of him, the better. That's one of the favorites to go soon. But then again, Woodward has shown that he wants to keep him longer than, than everybody on the planet, even other teams think they should. Everyone ever wants Ole out. Everyone ever wants Ed Woodward out. But there's nothing we can do about that. Um, the, the failure to sign Sancho was comical. Heinous. It's so bad. I'm going to get him all fucking... Summer. <laughs> Nothing. You should be able to get a couple funds together and go get a player. Oh God, yeah. Biggest clubs in the world. Like, They're one of the richest clubs in the world, highest value in the world, and they couldn't even – I mean, well, I guess a big thing you think about, though, it's not all the money in the world isn't going isn't gonna to get you – the best thing we've kind of seen that i mean look at psg they got to the final and still couldn't win it should have been easy for them considering that they're paying as much money as they are but 200 and something million dollars is freaking one player you know he's not 
It's not like you got a squat out of that. Fucking hell. That's so much. That is still like a concept. I had to explain that to someone at the ranch. I was like, just so you know how much money there is in the sport. <laughs> Some one player sold for, he's like 226 million pounds or something or euros. And it's like $250 million. That is ridiculous money. Neymar. I mean, I love Neymar. I still actually think quality wise, one of the top five in the world was top three in the world. I still think he has quality of top three in the world. That's a different thing. But um, name was solidified as third best player on the planet for a little while. Yeah, he was solidified. I think you can argue for it now. That's what I, I agree with that. But, um, but you were talking about this fixtures coming up. So New, Newcastle, then Chelsea, Arsenal, Everton. United. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so. Because then if he gets results. Then yeah, no, that's exactly. That's actually what I was thinking. Might show, show the United board that it's time to go in another direction. I agree. I absolutely agree because these are going to be very like uh, you, you, you've uttered is these are going to be super telling. Chelsea, Arsenal, Everton. Arsenal are, in my opinion, pretty shit. I think they're the worst <laughs> of the on paper. However, it's still Arsenal. Arsenal. Everton and Chelsea are going to be battles. Chelsea looks good. 4 0 win against Palace. Pulisic not even fully fit. Ziyech not fully fit. New yeah. keeper. In- once Thiago gets settled, they are looking dangerous. If you get a top four of Ziyech, Warner, Pulisic, and Havertz, and you put them wherever you want, and you have Kovacic and Kante under them, like that's that's, that's, that's a very good, incredible. Yeah. That incredible is move. that is on paper that's incredible. Incredible. The thing I can't. The only reason like. I can disagree. I don't disagree, but I can. Is that it's all if because they haven't really. I think Palace didn't prove itself enough. I think they did well. They dominated, but I don't think it was what we expected yet. We haven't seen it yet. Pretty poorly. They've been decent in the first couple of weeks. They played pretty badly. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, I think, um, I think Man United's um, and Chelsea and Arsenal's games. Like them playing each other are t- very important games because they're going to be very telling games of the future because these are the teams that they're competing against for positions. So they might as well show themselves that they can beat each other. Um, this year's Everton matchup too. Everton look like they're going to be challenging. Exactly. So I think Chelsea, Arsenal, and, and Everton as well. I think Everton's shown that they can they can dominate when they want to. We've looked really good this year. And Everton, people forget week one. Oh, yeah, I tell. fucking hate Everton, but that's that's something that doesn't matter in this situation because, anyways, they're still they're still like pretty good. I mean, I, mean, they, I don't talk about Derby. I mean, this is oh the Merseyside Derby's coming up. The edge is is to Everton just simply because of Adrian. I think I, with Allison and goal, and Mane hopefully will be healthy by then. I think he probably will be, but. If Allison was in goal, I would still give the edge to Liverpool, even considering Everton's form. But when you consider Everton's form and say, hey, they're going up against Adrian, like, that attack is dangerous. Like, that – when you have Hamas, Hamas this year, his performances so far in the first four weeks, encapsulate the saying, 
form his temporary class as permanent. Because he, for a long time, was sitting on benches out of favor with coaches, hurt, out of teams, loaned. Like, he had to deal with a lot of shit. And that happens. And that's form. Because we knew his class from the World Cup from when he was, like, a bright young star on Monaco. Like, we knew he had the class. But with Carlo Ancelotti bringing him in and saying, hey, I'm going to give you the reins, release these boys, Richarlison, DCL, attacking outside the house, Jameson, Dinier. That, that, bro, that would probably be one of the most hyped games for the season. So. I actually agree, but I, I can't totally stand by it because they've, they've played like, what is it, Palace, West Brom, and Brighton and and Spurs and to be fair, Spurs are still on the come up. So I'm not I'm not going to say like you guys are like we were saying earlier. I think you have a lot to to change. Like you have changed a lot. I'm saying, and I think you have a lot to prove now. That being said, you guys weren't at that point yet because you hadn't shown the first time that you could really your full potential. And um, at that time. When they beat you guys, they beat you guys, right? One nil, yeah. Yeah, it was, and it was a good, it was a good performed game. But I'm saying I don't think they've had a true test. Personally, they've had tests because everyone's hard because everyone's a prem team. But Merseyside Derby is going to be big. Derby, the Merseyside Derby is going to be huge. <laughs> What's the test this year in the prem? It's been so, so, so unbelievably hard to predict that. Absolutely. These are hard games. Like, obviously, the big six are still looking good. But this Leicester – or not Leicester, Leeds. This Leeds-City game on the weekend, we expected to be like a 5-4 goal fest. Yeah. And it was just one, one drunk. Like, you can't really predict anything. And I think, yes, they haven't had a true test. But a testament to their form is that they are 4-0. Yes. No, I have a guy who's playing out of his fucking mind better than he ever, has ever played before in DCL. And then they've reinvigorated a career in, 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 in Thomas. And the low-key signings of Alan and Ducore should be anything but because those are two class midfielders. But <laughs> Alan's really good. Fucking construction. They yeah, bought a midfielder. Absolutely. Carlo bought a midfield. He bought a screener in LN, bought a workhorse in Decor, and he bought a tactical and technical masterclass in Hamas. And they're reaping the benefits as we know. And the big thing that a counter argument you'll hear a lot is that Hamas doesn't run a lot. And he's proven that wrong. I mean, he's every time you get you lose a ball, you got Alan or Decore just clamping down. Like that's exactly what he's playing. And Chilotti was something when I when he first went to Everton, I kind of I kind of was like, I don't know what he's doing there. Like, I don't think he has a system. Then he figured it out. He figured out what he needed. He figured out the players. And I definitely agree. And I'm actually, it was funny because I was like realizing that in the moment. I mean, he's managed for some, he's managed for some quality sides. And you see that happen. He builds, he puts it together. And it's like, man, it works. So hopefully he does well and they keep him and no, we get absolutely. to see Absolutely. I wish him the best. I wish Everton the worst. That's – can be the different – I don't know. That's Carlo. I agree with that. Yes. I think for Carlo, though, Carlo Ancelotti, I think he's done, he's done a good job and so far, and I think 
this is the first real test, I guess. I mean, he's proven himself many times. I don't know if this is actually him proving himself or the team, the side proving themselves, but I think this season will be really telling of his career, but also Everton, obviously, because they haven't been the side they've wanted to be for a long time. So I'm really glad for Premier League fixture's sake <laughs> that they're actually good because it's a competitive game. It'll be a competitive game, I believe. But the it's – Whatever, <laughs> it's exactly true. No, no, we, yeah, ever, ever look good. They look yeah, good. No, they, they look good. We should also, we should also hit on Brighton. Brighton, one of the most fun teams in the league oh, to watch. Dude, Neil, Graham Potter's football, and they have a bunch of little fuckers in there who will give you a whole of a day. Trust Connolly, Neil Mopai, Jahambash, bro. Jahambash. It's just, and they get results too. Like, if not for a fucking 99th minute penalty, United, they would have drawn United. They've had good, they've had wins here and there. They look like a team that's going to challenge, and they play some of the most fun attacking football in the league. Must oh, walk. Absolutely. And Neil Malpai is a fucking. <laughs> I remember. I remember in the beginning. I remember. I mean, not in the beginning. In the in the beginning of well, I guess the quarantine when Neil Mop <laughs> Neil. I was. I remember first time. I think he scored against. Um, may have been United last in the last season, and he. Yeah, and I remember just sending Neil and just knowing this guy. I remember seeing him, and he was just grinding. He is a badger. That guy just digs. Just Neil digging in there, freaking yeah. and like. And it's just – it's so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch, this guy. And obviously, he's playing with a good – Trosser, like you said, and Jachen Bash and, um, and also Connolly. Yeah, Connolly. And then looking at that um, – uh, not is Lamptey – Lamptey's on Brighton, right? Lamptey. I like watching him a lot. And um, there's an – and who are the other guys? There's a couple of midfielders as well. But they're, they're just uh, – they're – when they perform their class, that's definitely what I would do. Lamptey is good. Basuma, Basuma's ours. In there. Dude, that guy, the, the scorpion kick to <laughs> that was wild, but he had a banger. Gross Adam Alana they brought in, which was a yeah, good Alana. piece of business. was a big signing for them. Holly March on the wing is pretty good, and then they have the depth of like Stephen Osalfe, Davy Proper. They're, they're good. They have a good. Yeah, no, they they definitely come in strong. I think they can. They have substitutions and stuff like you've mentioned, and um, I just I also like when they don't play well. Or no, that's not true. They play pretty well. They can be some whipping boys though. If they yeah. if they're not, they're yeah. outside back or they're wing backs. They play a three five two with what Lamptey and March. Those two love to travel, and they're gods going forward. But if you catch them and you catch out their back line of, what is it, Webster, Dan Byrne, Ben White, like if you isolate those guys against some of the class players in the world, yeah, you can turn that team into whipping boys. But going forward, they're never – Going forward, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a scary team. And that's the thing I've noticed a trend actually in, in football today is the focus, I guess. I mean, you look at even – you, I don't know how to describe this, but you look at teams and you actually – we look at them, look at most teams going forward than we do going defending. Because going forward, is, there's a part of it that is defending, that is possessing the ball, maintaining a certain level of possession and movement, constant movement at least. And 
it's uh it's really kind of lost its focus itself the actual concept of defending maintaining one-on-one defending and winning those one-on-one i mean i don't know if it's it's hard to tell with is it the you know the offender the guys on offense you know going on one-on-one have they gotten better or has the defender has the defending gotten worse and it's hard to tell because most of these guys you look at the today they're I mean, defenders and whatnot, um, like center backs and defensive midfielders and uh, outside backs, even goalies. The best goalies are really the best on their feet. Um, And so I think that's a big – that's been a big change is the focus of defending has gone away a lot. I mean, you see in – you see when any – like some of the best center backs in the world we talk about are so – like, for example – Ramos, great on the ball. Don't think he's that good of a defender. He's considered one of the best in the world. And it's like, eh, are you rating on him as defending? Or are you rating on his on the fact that he's just a good soccer player and can play with the ball? So that's what – I don't know. That's just my take on it. Part of that, part of that is it's, it's come to the forefront of everybody's minds just also because of the high scoring start to the season. But that can't occur without the fact that people aren't focusing on defending that much. They're focusing their formations on attacking. And when you see the clean sheet stats, six clean sheets in week one, three in week two, four and four. So, like, you've had, what, 17 clean sheets out of the first 80 games of the year? Like, that's that's not that common in the Prem. And a lot of that comes to that we're playing attacking football. There's a lot of tactical battles. And obviously, with all the VAR shit, there's more pens, which is more expected goals. But I think I think you're right. Some of that art is 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 gone. But that's also why I wanted to back touch back on Villa. Villa didn't play week one, yeah. week two clean, three clean sheet, week four Liverpool seven two. So yeah. like, reg- like, yeah, you're you're not gonna stop Salad. You're not gonna stop Mosal. You're not. Nobody can. All right. So like at respect for them trying but get a clean sheet against Fulham is not that impressive in game week three but in game week two to get a clean sheet against Sheffield 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 yeah that's that's the thing you look at like even that argument you just proposed like it still gets with the fact that like they're getting clean sheets, but they're not getting like casual clean sheets. They're not known for getting clean sheets. They're not getting these consistent as you think. I mean, they look at, um, I mean, Liverpool's a top side. They're not like outstandingly better than, I mean, they are better than Manchester City, but I don't think they're like miles, miles, miles. I think that Manchester City is just as quality of finishing. And I think that if it works, I mean, their style of play could work better against Aston Villa. It must be. The city, I mean, no, city. I'm, well, that, I'm just saying. Ruben Diaz. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. All right, no, what I was going to say is that like, with that kind of team is that they, like, with Aston Villa, you've seen that they've given up uh, or they've had two clean sheets against sides that aren't that doing that well and aren't very good. So it's not, I don't discredit the fact that they get those those clean sheets, but I think like I was saying earlier, the focus of defending, that's not necessarily, I don't think that's solely on the focus of defending because you need to see a culture shift too. You need to see a, 
a focus. I mean, the highlights would be more about, I don't know, slide tackles and one-on-ones being stopped versus one-on-ones being taken on and, and saves and like things, defensive things really, because that's a big focus. We, I mean, we still appreciate it. We love seeing some smashing tackle, smashing two-footed tackle or some huge save from a keeper. Um, it's just some, some, some and that also the, the teams who have had those identities in the past, like the two teams who best embodied those identities last year are struggling this year because they can't get it done. That's due to the high level and efficiency of attacking or just the fact that they're just not getting it done. I don't know, but that's, that speaks to your point. I, but I, I guess in the sense, now the more I think about it, is the fact that, I mean, you look at the star uh, forwards, and I mean, they pull off some, some stuff that you just – it would even if you try to defend it, it's pointless in some settings, just like how on it they'll be sometimes. And so that, I think, it's kind of separated itself in the, in the scale levels in that defending has dropped and we've gone into making tackles and, so, and just like guessing tackles a lot of the times because they're so quick. But it's also gotten a lot better, I'd say, actually, coming to the conclusion that you see, I mean, like we were mentioning earlier, all these one-on-one guys, they're just – these guys can beat people one-on-one consistently, play anyone and do it. So I I just um, – I think Burnley and – who is it? Sheffield also known for their defending. I mean, known for holding off some of the top sides. They – it's a system, like I was saying earlier, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type, in that you, it, when you see something wrong, it needs to be dealt with pretty much immediately, but it's a system that you can leave it for a while and it's gonna work and it's gonna keep you in a safe space of the middle of the table and outside of relegation. And so that needs to be addressed, but I, it's very hard to be, maintain consistency as we've seen. I mean, these two, both teams are getting like not, I mean, they're getting just rocked right now, really. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where this takes the conversation. When's the last time you saw Manchester United in sixth place, 16th place? City in 14. Oh my God, City in 14? Man, I don't know. <laughs> Did last season? We haven't even talked about that Leicester oh. Christmas. Oh I mean, that's, that's what I love to see, though, the both Manchester clubs losing. No, so both Manchester clubs losing mightily at home. It's oh. just, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's, it's nice. It's pleasant. I, I, I had no words watching. I watched the last 25 minutes of the City-Leicester game. <laughs> or, yeah, City-Leicester game. And it was, or no, I watched the first 25 minutes. Sorry. My God, it was, it was just, it was crazy. The which goal? Mourinho's goal. Was that against Leicester? I think it was Leicester with his right foot, top corner. Yeah, he hit that. That was a that was. But I mean, the way they played through Leicester, through Manchester City was, it was easy. It was like, it was like hot butter going into a knife, just right through. Nothing. So. But then again, I mean, it's it's great to see it. It's great to see. It just sucks that we also had to lose. So seven two six one and five two. I mean, it's all three points lost 
for each team. But um, yeah, man, I, I think that this this is something Lester can do though. This speaks to Lester's class, I believe. And then like we were saying earlier about the fact that they when they were on in the beginning of the season, first half at least, um, they were on and I mean top side. It was quite, I mean it was unreal to watch them sometimes tear through side through defenses. And seeing um, seeing them do it again was awesome against Leicester against City. Yeah, Leicester it was against City though. Seeing that again it was just it was so nice. <laughs> and it was against uh, their nine zero what was it, nine zero at Southampton last year? Southampton, yeah. Like they're just an efficient side there. Or the race to it, yeah. Wild. Wild stuff. Yeah, but it is definitely we've we've almost said on every single team. The only team we haven't really two teams we haven't really talked about are Newcastle and Southampton, but I don't have much to say. <laughs> they're fired. <laughs> Southampton's fun to watch with yeah. Yeah, backing outside backs and Danny Ings up there with like Cal- Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. But and Callum Wilson scoring penalties for Newcastle. Yeah. But the, yeah, those two teams are kind of boring. Yeah. I don't great. I don't expect either of them to go down. Well, West Brom, we we kind of talked about them. We kind of touched on them. Super Slav. Super Slav. Yeah. He's been in so many times, so many teams. Keepers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, just lost my train of thought. Oh, freaking their game. I mean, the one thing they've seen, and like I guess this happens a lot with these new prem sides coming back, is that with um, West Brom is they can show that they're class at like the most random times. <laughs> it's like they, they pull some ridiculous shit and it's really fun to watch sometimes. They'll pull like a good series of plays, but also get really unlucky. And you'll see them like against West Brom against Everton. Um, it was, they pulled some, I mean, they, they had solid side, solid game, but Everton, that kind of spoke to Everton's class there, but it was, I mean, they showed this bright – they can do it. They can do it. They can show that they can uh, – But they can't do it if Pereira's not doing it. Exactly. I think makes that team run. Unbelievable in the championship last year. Yeah. Started this season well. Free kick against Everton was Ridiculous. gorgeous. And, like, if you want to play, what you're saying is true. Like, he's really he's good. Having fun. He's getting other guys involved, and when he does, they're smoother. So, yeah, you can't – if you're watching the Prem this year, you cannot ignore Mateus Pereira. He's, yeah, he was good in the – he was good in the championship as well. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. That was the main guy I remember watching. I remember seeing, but also seeing highlights of and stuff was him on West Brom. And it was – he's, like, the perfect winger type. You know, that short, shifty little guy who's just creating everything on whatever he wants. Um, and I think that's the problem with Fulham, and I'm more convinced of Fulham's demise than West Rom's because Fulham's talisman is Mitrovic, who's great. Mitrovic is really like a, a, a top tier true nine, but if you're a true nine that doesn't get delivery, if you're a true nine that doesn't get service, you're 2-9 that has no creative midfielder to take the eyes off you. You're not going to get shit done. 
and a tennis player can create for himself. And that's why I think West Ham have a little bit more of an X factor about them than. than Absolutely. Them. Also, West Brom know how to defend a bit, just a bit. Um, <laughs> enough. They know enough. They can. I'm not saying they know consistently. Demi Ajayi is the best defender in those two teams. Yeah, absolutely. I'd put him above. But I'd also say, Fulham, I haven't seen a defender that I'm like, okay, I'd, I'd trust you. I haven't seen it for Fulham. It's not, it's not there right now. So it's mm. hard to stand by any, anything else on Fulham right there because I don't even believe in their back four. So, and Ariel is good. Very good. Oh, yeah, he is good. But <laughs> you need a good – you need, still need, like, good defending to have, be a good keeper. I mean, you're getting – when you're getting shitty shots – or great shots, I mean, just taken on you. And they're great finishes. A couple analysts and pundits break down Villa's goals against Fulham. And the marking, the run following, communication is just – it's, it's like – it's worse than Amherst. <laughs> we could have been out there defending better than that. <laughs> it's not great, no. No, yeah, Fulham's going down, but uh, I don't. As for the other two spots, I don't know yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm not sure. Fulham just don't have the class. No, not at all. I think I think for mo- the rest of the teams, I think it's we're very early in the season to know. Leeds could end up relegated. Like they just had one a couple good wins. I'm not. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying like any team can right now. Else is probably a top five manager. No, I, I totally agree. And I think Leeds is going to push them. I mean, Leeds is going to go very high and push the Prem. But I'm saying the reality is anyone, Liverpool could. I'm not saying they will. But um, that the reality of the situation is that it's, it's for – what's up? You didn't have to know. Right. <laughs> felt, felt right. Um, I mean, it's not, not going to happen anyways. But it's, it's match week four. So – and I mean, we're coming up on an international break, so it's it's quite early right now. And I think, I think uh, these speculations are definitely fair. I think I totally agree with most of them. But literally anything can happen. It's so much has changed over the past year and a half that so much is and so much is gonna change. There's gonna be injuries. So much change in the first four weeks. Exactly. And you're seeing, you're seeing injuries. You're seeing sackings, maybe. You're seeing um, buying and selling players that have now gone away. But now these new players are getting implemented again. And so... The window being closed, you're going to get a little more, see a little more solidity within the exactly. But I'm excited for that. I want to see what the managers do. I want to see Chelsea with a closed window. I want to see Frank try to put the pieces together. Chelsea have been shit so far. I think yeah, I think I think exactly, absolutely. I think this is a solidification point in that these players, whoever they are, whoever the newest guys are going to start um, or don't. I mean, how they're implementing the systems, how they work, are they going to be, are they going to change or not? And if they don't, they don't, and we're going to see kind of the same the rest of the season. But I'd love to see a change. I'd love to see one right there, and like you said, the new, uh, these new signings coming in. I'm really interested in Partey. Thomas Partey, he is very good. I like him a lot. I liked him at Atletico a lot. I didn't like him against Liverpool, but I liked it. I don't think he – I don't know if he – I think he – Liverpool's a hole that Arsenal have had 
problems with for a really that long That position has been needed to be filled. Oh, great Granite Shaka. I think Granite Shaka is an awful, slow football. However, <laughs> you don't have to play him again. So that's good. That's a plus if you're an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I think that was a really good piece of business from Arsenal. Not only did I not expect it, but it really services a huge need for them. That yeah, it was a big thing. It was a big thing for you guys too. Yeah. You guys in that that holding midfield. Can I can I run a lot and make sure that I'm doing my job in the best way as in holding but also maintaining a, a, um, a presence in the press and pressure and maintaining pressure as well. Um, and I, th- I don't know. I, I hope he does well. I, I, I'd like to see Arsenal be good. I don't like Arsenal personally, and I know you don't. But I, I also would like to see them be better again because, as I mean, we grew up with them being like a class side. Huh? And competition. Yeah, in competition, exactly. It's, it's just not even... Made the start so good. We really don't know who's going to win. Leicester come from beating, what, City 5-2 to losing West Ham 3-0. Like, what the yeah. fuck is... Yeah, what the fuck? Dude, Liverpool just lost 7-2. What the fuck's going on? And it's just... It's, it's something that, like you... I mean, like I've been just saying, is, is the change. And these new players and the injuries and the sackings. Yeah. And the, so... Early, early shouts... For Golden Boot. I want to hear you first. Golden Boot? Giving- I'd give it to Salah. Um, uh, top choices right now is Salah. Salah's my top choice. And then who? I don't think anybody can slow down Salah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so either. But this is really, really early shots, obviously. Injuries and form, we'll see. Yeah, I'm thinking you God. Uh, I'm looking at DCL, if he doesn't slow down. If he doesn't slow down, he's on an up on a trend to break records if he doesn't. He's scored every week, including a hat trick one week. Yeah. Yes, their matchups haven't they haven't had the hardest long, yeah. However, they've we've seen that the big six have not been that great defensively this year at all. Well, all of them have been pretty shocking. Tottenham doesn't have a clean sheet yet. Uh, Chelsea have got their first in the game before. Arsenal, I'm pretty sure, don't have one. They may. I don't know. First uh, weekend. Liverpool did. It's, it's nobody's, especially the top six, haven't been performing defensively. So I think if DCL stays on fire, he could be up. Yeah. I also think Aubameyang could again. I think he has a chance. Um, I don't know if – I don't know about Kane, but I think Son could. I don't think Kane or Son will challenge just because – You don't think Son? The Spurs attack is much more balanced than Kane. Looks like he's going to be playing the role of playing That's – yeah, it seems like they're, they're distributing goals where – Son scores a lot. Of those. That's why I think Son maybe. Um, There's also Vardy. I think Vardy oh, is – Absolutely, yeah. Especially with Leicester still getting the amount of pens they're getting and the fact that he doesn't look like he's aging. No, not at all. He can probably challenge for Golden Boot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think uh, – damn, it's hard to tell because there's like – Bamford's on the track right now. Patrick Bamford. 
Dude, these I think he's going to slow down. I think he's slowed down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's play City. It's not like City's easy, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, we'll see what he does next week. I think they play – who do they play? Uh, Leeds play Wolves. That's a great game. Yeah, well, oh, my God. That's going to be a great game. Wolves are good. And so Villa Leicester, Leeds Wolves, Everton, Liverpool. In the context of the season so far, West Ham Spurs. Like, there's there's a lot of good games after the break. I'm, I'm so pumped. And that's always how I get. And I, this is why I hate international breaks because I have to wait yeah. for did you yeah, say so City? City yeah, City Arsenal. I just saw that. Bro. <laughs> like, there's, there's four great matchups next week, in my opinion. I'm not even including fucking Spurs, West, West Ham. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. City Arsenal, Liverpool Everton, Villa, Villa Leicester, and Leeds yeah, Wolves. All great, great games. Leeds Wolves will be exciting. Bielsa versus Nuno. Nuno has had a rough start to the season. Wolves have underperformed by all accounts. I think, I think they, Nuno has to solidify his squad. He likes to rotate quite a bit. And I think it hurts them sometimes because they play pretty unique tactics. But I think if he gets like a nice 3-5-2 with Samedo and – a healthy – they just, they just bring in – they brought in somebody because I know they got rid of uh, – They, uh, they have – So when Johnny gets healthy – Oh, Fabio Silva they got. Huh? Fabio Silva was the guy they got. Yeah. Johnny is – once he gets healthy, they brought in Semedo from Barca, Kawadi Boli Saiz, Matinho Neves – and then Neto, Adama, and Raul. Like, oh, those okay. and that becomes a core starting 11 for them. There's a, and there's – no, absolutely. Even last season, they were a competitive team. And the year before that, and they've added now players. They haven't lost anyone. They've lost Doherty. That's it. And they just got Semedo. Like, that's a great – it's a great – Yeah. So – For this weekend, Leeds – not this weekend. Leeds is good because Bielsa plays pretty attacking football. He's not going to stand down. They're going to fight. No, it's going to be a back and forth. I, I can see that happening. I can also see a blowout. Like one or the other is going to unlock, and it's going to be, it's going to be big. I can see that. So the two. So Leicester, one of the best attacks in the Prem. You you were even talking about it. How they sliced up City. They sliced yeah. up team. Really oh Villa look like the best defense in the league so far. They are the best defense in the league. I so think so. Far. They've given up the so least goals. It's going to be can Villa keep a clean sheet? Can Leicester keep a clean sheet? Then again, Leicester's backline isn't bad. So Andrew Evans is a great center back partnership that extended from most of all of last year. Yeah. And it's a, with, it's a pairing that needs to be stay consistent. It's a pairing because they, they fell apart for a bit. And then they were having – and then they had, like, Wes Morgan and – Robert Hoop. Yeah, Hoop. <laughs> it was just – it was just those – Those are the old days of – No, but there's a guy now they had. Like, like, it was Wes Morgan and someone else they were playing in because both center backs were hurt. And so – Yes, yes. And so they 
if they um if they can stay i mean healthy for the most part um they should be able i i mean obviously i'm not saying i think next week or whenever they play again two weeks i think they'll uh they'll be able to keep a clean sheet or be able to i'm not saying they will but if, in the long run also um those guys, I mean, they need to not stay. I mean, they need to not get hurt. I know they can't control that, but that's huge for Leicester because they're not a deep team. They have players in positions. doesn't mean they're that good. They have <laughs> – there's a few of their subs that, like, they're they – I think they do have depth in the outside back spot. Castagna oh, has been sick coming in from Atalanta. Ricardo yeah. Pereira, hurt. he was one of the best attacking outside backs in the league last year. Yeah. And then – just kid, James Justin's coming. Justin. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they, so them two. Attacking in, in, in midfield depth that the other teams that they want to contend with have. Yeah. Exactly. I think, I think, I mean, you can have attacking depth, but I think you need to have, yeah. Defensive depth as well. Yuri Chilman's is class, so Belgian midfielder. Um, Which guy? Tielmans. Oh, Tielmans, great center man. I like. I love how he strikes passes together. I like how he can just pull some stuff. Um, they have that Mendy, Mendy guy, a little short defensive midfielder. He's pretty good. I like how he moves around. He's um, who? Conte mold. Yes. Yeah. Definitely a Conte mold, but much more, much happier on the ball. I'd say. He seems to enjoy moving it a lot more than Conte. Conte is comfortable with the ball, but Conte likes the defending a lot more. He likes being in space. He doesn't necessarily need the ball. He'll just cover some space and get you the opportunity to have a ball, have the ball. Um, but yeah, I think I mean, like like you said, Leicester I mean, are very threatening, very threatening going forward, and they have a lot of depth there, but. You still, I mean, like I've, I mean, I guess it refutes my earlier point of saying that defending has gone down, because you still need to have good defenders. I mean, you see it, you see it with, um, with Manchester United, they don't have good defenders, and it's like the main thing in there when they lose games. You see it fall apart. Like you can defend, you can depend on your offense for a certain amount, but they're not always going to score goals. Defending is still going to work. It's still going to work. That's why I think it's important that there are teams like Burnley. Who are able? Who are able to keep clean sheets? I don't know if they are. And, and Aston Villa, um, and those teams can do that. They cannot give up any goals, and that's uh, a realistic style of play. But like I've said, it's a difficult style of play. And Leicester need to be able to at least keep one. You know, I mean, like we said, like you said earlier, there was nine, eight, or no, fifteen in the first eighty games. Fifteen. Seventeen. 17. So that's like, that's a lot. So that's an. Games. Oh, not, no, 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 not that much. My bad. 17 clean sheets out of. Wasn't it 80, you said? 38 games. 17 okay. clean sheets. That makes a lot more sense. 80. Which is a little under 50%, but it's still. Yeah. Which is, I mean, considering how many goals there are, because I was looking at from that side, that's a lot of clean sheets. And not expected. Because I, I had mistaken the amount of games for the teams playing. But yeah. I, however, 
in most of those games, they've still a lot of goals. And then in the goals that there haven't been clean sheets, it's been like 5-2, 4-3, that kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I don't know where this goes for Leicester, but I don't know. Fun part, we're four weeks in. First international break. And we have this much to already, like, talk about and think about. And, Crazy. Like, their boys are only starting to get going. When the January transfer window opens, it's going to be mad. That's so, there's a lot to, to think about and look forward to this season. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see see the shift now. There's going to be like a last significant shift, and then there's everything starts becoming between, between the teams themselves. Not it, you, it was selling, it was all that, it was relationships, but October and all right, not October in November and December before January transfer window opens, when teams have to be dealing with their rosters and managers have to be getting the best out of their players. That's going to be the time you're going to see the the separations start to form between whoever starts leading the pack, whoever starts cementing themselves on the table, and then whoever starts struggling. Exactly. And that's going to be fun because it's been so unpredictable so far that, yes, the entertainment value is there, but we do want to see trends. We do want to see the teams taking over and playing great football and having complete performances. Which exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I don't mind a six-one. No, I, it's it's not a bad thing. I think this is it's it's just another type of entertainment. No, yeah, it's just a different type of entertainment. We're used to one-one, one-zero, two-one, three-two. Like it's high scoring is a three-one game. That's what it used to be. It's really gone up over the past couple of years. Few years, I mean, I don't know, a couple, but a, a good amount of years now, and we've seen more and more goals be scored. But this is probably the peak we've seen, and I don't know where this goes. I mean, it's so much fun. I'll take it. I'm not against. I'm not opposed to you know some good old goal scoring. Um, but I also like seeing some clean sheets once in a while. <laughs> Again, that's the wild thing is they say that, but they are still occurring. Um, but I, I don't know if we'll see less and less. Over. I don't know if that's a trend. I actually would like to know that. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably on now that I, I mean, 17 out of 38. Seven. That's kind of almost half the games. It's, I mean, it's not that great. It's 17 teams getting clean sheets. I was originally right because it's 17 teams getting clean sheets. Oh, okay. Popping. What seventy six opportunities to get clean sheets so far? Yeah. yeah. Weeks in. Okay, I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, at sixteen. Yeah, yeah seventy teams had seventy six chances to get clean sheets so far. Yeah, and the seventeen. Seventy six games. You're saying there's been seventy six games where there's an opportunity for clean sheets, and there's been seventeen of those. Right. Yes. There's, there's, there's six. There's been. How many games have been played in this season? Games? 38. 38? And there's been 17 clean sheets, you said? Okay. Two clean sheets in a game. Hmm? That's what I mean. You can have two clean sheets in a game, which was what I was saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You've doubled. I see what you're saying now. Yes. And there have only been 17 clean sheets. Yeah. yeah. That's not – yeah, 17 sheets in total. Which is good. Nil nils. We don't want nil nils. No, that's 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 the most boring. Unfun- I mean, 
to get them. I think we have what next weekend during the international break with all these great matchups. Of course, we have the fucking shit house express Fulham Sheffield. That might be a nil nil. That might be nil nil. Or they're gonna tear each other apart and figure out what to do. I'm hoping. No, you know. those, I think those two teams have the two least expected goals in the league. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> they're probably the worst offensive teams right now. But then again, was, like you said, there's you know, a Brom, then Burnley, then Fulham, then Sheffield. Well, Sheffield just I like think about this just before the international break, and right after their last game before, um, they signed Ryan Brewster, who's gonna be really good, good striker, score some goals. They haven't played him yet, so I think that's a big change right there. Fulham brought in uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's that's that could be huge right there because those are players that they needed. And, I mean, Fulham means, like, a lot. But that's a start for Fulham. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think I think they uh, – so, I don't know. I, I, I hope there's goals. I hope it's a goal fest. I, hope, I mean, I hope it's not nil-nil. <laughs> I mean, it's fine 1-0. I don't really care, actually. But what – I don't know. Do you think the style of play is going to keep changing and that we're going to – like, because it's either we like more goals or we like no goals. I mean, we like the middle also, but it's – there's really – does that – is that where the change is going to be from? Or do you think it'll be – I don't know how to turn into this. I don't know. Nobody can predict this season. It's yeah. been utterly unbelievable. And that's made the game of value insane. And it could continue this way. It could get worse. It could get better. Not as in worse and better. There could be more goals. There could be less goals. There could be the same. Because we really don't know. And whichever way it goes, we're, I think the fans and the people watching, and the people following the Premier League are going to go along with it just simply because it's been so good and because it's been gone for so long. And, of course, the hype and the, the – the enjoyment of waking up on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and watching games through 5 p.m. Like, there's nothing fucking better. There's nothing better. And, I mean, I think that's just the beauty of the Prem being back. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity as much, but I, I know the feeling. It gave me some nostalgia right there. Um, and I think – and I, <laughs> um, I think definitely that – we, uh, no matter what, I'm going to be enjoying this. I'm going to love talking about it. I'm going to love talking about it with you. I mean, it's, we, we always get in some good discussions about it. We can shift it a bit to fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'd, I'd love to hear your, your takes on some fantasy. Um, I can't. I'm, I'm not doing well enough in either of my leagues to. Yeah. Once you get, I mean, I'm seventh, so. I think I'm seventh in both, so I'm not I'm not good enough to be talking because I don't even have time of day to freaking take a look. But um, um, yeah, I think I mean I'm so interested to see though. Will we? Will there be a new style? Like we've seen, I mean, variations of styles of play, but we haven't seen new concepts of f- football in years because there's been so many. Very, I mean, when you think of even like Bielsa, Klopp style, um, Pep style, those have existed. Those are just unique in their own way because they're applied in a certain situation or they're applied marginally different, incrementally different, I'd say. Do we think there's going to be – I don't know if there's – is there a possibility for new styles of play to be implemented? I think not in this season, not only in this season really, but moving forward. 
Uh, I think it's in, that's it's a tough one, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Just because, as we said, there hasn't like there's not that much more room for innovation in the invention. Oh, absolutely. If a, if a manager wants to come in and play six man backline or one man backline, go ahead. But like, you're probably gonna fucking get killed. So, <laughs> Make your and I, you can make your tactical changes, and I think that's what the best managers do so well. Like Mourinho, his tactical changes win him games. You know, like that kind. Of thing. So, yeah, I think that will continue, and that kind of variability with the good managers and their unpredictability will continue. But as far as new tactics and new ways of playing, I, I just don't even know what it looks like. And I think that's the hard part. Yeah, I guess when you think of new tactics, we think of, you know, formation. Um, but I, I'm trying to imagine, I mean, like, styles of play alone. You just, I mean, what it, when we think of the variations, we think of building out of the back, uh, you know, maintaining possession of the ball, a lot of passing and moving. Um, and then and we have teams who play long balls and press. Exactly. It's a high, long ball with big forward, and you're – pacey wingers that can just get the ball and they're scoring off very few passes the whole game. They're no, and then there's, there's also just pure counterattack, like effective, you know, um, not, not like the tiki taka, but like just that, that, you know, couple touches and they're already in the other, in the, in the last third. And it's yeah. just, it's just like, it's so quick. There's also, um, there's a form of being able to mix a little bit of both with a bit of high pressing. There's forms of sitting back and just putting numbers, as Mourinho has been seen to do a lot. There's um, not huh? He did it. He did it with Chelsea and United, but he has not yeah. done it so. No, he's not done it at Spurs because Spurs they can't do it. I mean, you guys aren't built to do it like that. And he's dealt with the situation very well, as a good manager does, and changed the style he's implemented. But when you see it, he's best. At his best, at least, he was doing with Porto and um, Manu, um, and I can't remember the other one you mentioned. Oh, Chelsea as well. Um, Inter, he was Inter as well. And but he, I mean, even with Real Madrid, he was doing it. He was having a counterattacking side that could just eat pressure. But I mean, they were so good at Real Madrid. I mean, they, it, it, even. <laughs> No, you're right. It is like a counterattacking side that, side that can just yeah. – it's different from, like, Simeone, who's like – Yeah, no, Simeone's like – Simeone, let me, let me engulf you, eat you, and spit you out. You're never going to get past me. You're never going to get by my amazing keeper and my beast of my two banks of four and just sitting – Four, four, two, and the two up top are a are biter awful. and a biter. <laughs> And they will kill you. Like, yes. center back coming up against Madrid this year will be shitting themselves. Before they're the so – they're going to be uh, – so, uh, It's going to be a pressure – it's going to be a pressure in there. Atletico in the Champions League this year is going to be must-watch football. That's interesting. It's also not because if you're a stats guy, you're going to kill yourself because you're not yeah. going to stats. But – if you're a regular appreciative person of the sport of football, this or is a 
Person of the chaos of Diego Simeone. <laughs> the, of el, el, el Cholo. He's, he puts in, I mean, it pissed me off when we were playing it. Play, Liverpool had to play that style. It, it, is so, <laughs> it is so frustrating when you're playing against it, but watching some. Bro, John Black is the best keeper in the time. Dude, Old Black is ridiculously consistent. He's so consistent. So I mean, I think he might still have it now, but there was a point where he had more clean sheets than goals conceded, and it was like 70s. Both of the stats were like around 70s yeah. or above 70. And, I, I mean, I don't know if he still has it where the clean sheets are higher than the goals conceded, but that's just cons- – like, that's, that's, that don't make sense. No, absolutely. And the thing is, is like you'll hear that they'll say, oh, but he also sits with two – with eight defenders in front of him. So, like, they're getting chances. But it's not like he's getting doo-doo shots on. I mean, he's getting, t- he's getting tough shots as in tough shots for the attackers. They're getting in yeah. – situations where they're maybe not getting the most ideal shot other than a free kick really you'll see these you'll see these shots in tight spaces and so but they're still forcing you know reflexive diving they reflex uh rebounds rebound control he is held and he's pushed he's parried like it's nothing he's making it look easy um but going back to like styles of play i mean that's another one in of itself can do you think there's a possibility of like I don't even know. I'm just thinking of like variations of style of play. Like, can we go from a something I don't even know? Like how would you get to that thought is my my thought in that how would you get to something like I don't need I don't like playing too simple or too complicated or in a mixed sense of of uh of uh here, I got I to, gotta, here, let's pause. And we're back. So, um, yeah, I mean, styles of play, I don't know. They're not really going to change. That's kind of my thing is. But um, it'd be cool. But that being said, speaking of unique styles of play and the, the fluidity, as I mentioned about Manchester City's style of play, they, um, they're not that convincing right now. I don't know how to put it. I mean, they're class. They have, I mean, they have class, you know. They're a top side, obviously. But right now, they're not showing it at all. And it's kind of unconvincing. Um, I don't know, 5-2 against Leicester, 1-1 against Leeds. I mean, those are good teams right now. They're on, they are performing well. But as a team with the highest standard as Pep, Guardiola's team, you'd expect more. Um, yeah. uh, what's your what's your thoughts? Struggles when he doesn't have a true nine, and with both Aguero and Jesus out, I think they've all struggled. And not only De Bruyne, Sterling has had has been pushed into that spot. I think he prefers to be on the wing. I think everybody knows that yeah. he's much more productive on the wing. But once Aguero and Jesus get back, will City hit a purple patch of form, possibly. I think they have still have the best attack in the league. Yeah, Liverpool have the best front three, but City's depth in their attack, their production yeah. is yeah. undeniable. They score so many goals each year. They have three, two lines of three that are world-class. Two lines of three that are unbelievable. So it's it's – 
you got yeah we have we, we've had to wait and they haven't performed to their best and their backline woes are bad but they bought in two more center backs this year for another like 100 million yeah. pounds so i mean nathan ake is good ruben diaz is also supposed to be pretty good and he played decently yeah. well leads it will i mean we'll see we'll see what city yeah. I, I think they can challenge with all the inconsistency right now that we see with Everton top of the table at four and four and oh, like it's open, it's completely open. And if they start hitting, hitting form, they could be, they could be in real threat. Yeah, they're definitely a lethal, lethal side to deal with. I mean, you see it. It's still Pep. It's still Pep. But they, like you said, they spent, I mean, hundreds of millions of pounds on defenders. I mean, I just can't stand behind that kind of ideology of just spending and spending instead of training your players and getting them better. You're just spending more money. Like, because they spend so much, they have so they have such a surplus of defenders in that team. Ultimately, Ake, Ruben Diaz, I'm Rick Laporte. Fernandinho's been playing center back for them. Like, you have, what, five center backs? Fernandinho kind of is a center back, but that's four center backs. Oh, well. Huh? So oh. Was, oh, that's and, they had, and they had Eric Garcia. I don't know. Do they still have him? Still have That's six. Yeah. That's so many defenders right there. That's center backs, too. Perhaps, yeah. Center so backs. Those guys are outside backs. Like, that's mad. It's just uh, – and they still – probably won't play a 3-5-2. No, I can't see it. I mean, well, yeah, I don't see it. Mendy isn't good enough as going forward. He, I, don't, I don't see him being the, the trustworthy guy. Walker could. Walker likes to run. But I don't, I don't know how much he can change, too, because I don't know if a three-five-two is suitable to the way he wants to possess. But then again. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't think it's late. Yeah. I think because you have, you have to have, like, some – freaking Alfonso Davies times two, just one on each side um, because you need so much running to be able to maintain that possession because that basically works as like the volume bars sliding up and down uh, as your outside backs. They're there wherever the ball is. They're part of the play. I mean, you yeah. see it in, the, in Liverpool style of play, but they do it with four in the back. And it becomes a system that functions because of the, you know, the midfielders, but that's different. I mean, they're not – they're not forcing a third center back to sit there. And then they're, right. it's, it kind of eliminates a midfielder. So, like, I agree. I don't think a 3-5-2 will work. That's why I like PH at Spurs, Pierre Horvick. He's been dropping in between the center backs, and that's been allowing Arier, who's very attacking, Doherty, who's very attacking, Regulon, who's also very attacking, to get forward because then the three, the three block with Pierre when he does sit – is sturdy enough. Yeah. But, I mean, when, like, that's a true – that's, once again, a tactic thing, and that depends on the manager. Because some managers are going to want to play three center halves when they th- play 3-5-2, like so many of the managers in the league right now. Wolves, Bray, uh, yeah. like so many – so like so yeah. many managers play 3-5-2. Um, so – but you can also get a 4-2-3-1 – Talking to center defensive mid, and then have your outside backs bomb on in the back four, and that's basically doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you see it with Liverpool as well. They do the, you'll see Fabinho dropping, and same with Thiago. Right. 
they'll disperse their that's how it works really because the outside uh robertson and trent can sit up top or sit farther up because they're putting in they're falling in having a defensive sentiment like hoiberg for spurs fabinho or tiago for liverpool it's a very fun sometimes you see it with Jorginho. Um, in Chelsea, and then you'll see with uh, Man United sometimes with Matic falling in like that. Um, and it's that's also a tough one because sometimes the center defensive midfielder will play a more offensive ball or offensive player, risky play, and then they'll step up, and then that creates a hole again. So there's always flaws in that. And not flaws, there's, there's possibility for mistake in that kind of three – defending but also offending in the sense that they have the ball but they're positionally with three in the back i don't know it uh it depends on the style of play and i don't think pep has it i don't think pep has or i mean he can i don't know but if he's set on the style he has probably capable but i don't probably capable but i don't think with what he wants his standard of play is gonna be uh with a three in the back but you never know he might change, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I I wanted City. Honestly, like I don't. I really cringe saying this, but like when they, I liked seeing City beat Real Madrid. I hate Real Madrid, then I hate City. I still hate City a lot, so it's not like much more. But like, there's still a lot of hate for Real Madrid and seeing them win. And I actually thought they were gonna make a good run in the Champions League. I thought they were gonna make the final. They were a freaking class team. They were dominating when they were on last I year. I thought they were class and I thought they were playing well, but I didn't think they had the quality they had in recent years. No, which... when I when I look back, I think logically they just didn't have it. They didn't have that. The I think they didn't have like the distinguishing factor that just got them through. I mean, you could see it with Bayern, and you could see it with PSG, and you see it with Leipzig, and you see it with uh, Lyon. Like they got they had an X factor. They had something that just worked because they knew how to make it better. Pep is someone who, as we've seen, likes to keep the same thing going. And he's a type of guy who is a system or the thought process is like, ain't brother, don't fix it, but kind of ignores. It's like a, it's, it's a, it's an ever flowing change. So um, he kind of sticks to the same plan, same like destination, ideal, I, I guess, like ideologically, um, but doesn't, Really, I mean, it only worked with the with uh, Bar- Barca and Bayern because they changed. I mean, they they kind of changed. He changed a bit to the team. He hasn't really changed. He's kind of enforced himself onto the Premier League. And I mean, he's won prems, but winning the Champions League, yeah, that's a big thing. And I, I just think I think they have the class, like I was saying. But I don't. I agree. Looking back, I don't think they could have made that run because of that X factor. I don't think they had. Um, a consistency level that it was required of them, I guess. I mean, and a lot of, also, a lot of winning the Champions League is understanding that defense does win championships. Yeah. When you're back on, yeah, you can win the Champions League with a less than stellar back line, but that, that's rare. That's rare. Like wow. most of the Champions League winners, past the years have had back lines that are like really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Especially Liverpool two years ago. I mean, that back like that year, those four were unbelievable. Like Joe, Joe was great that year. Trent was great that year. Virgil was the best on the planet that year. Yeah, 
Same with, um, I mean, yeah, no, I was going to, you could just keep rattling off. I agree. <laughs> There's, I mean, the series of, I mean, look at Bayern last year. They, they won every single game they played and didn't give up more than two goals. I think maybe three in, in a game. So, and they were winning games seven to two, five to two. Like it was, yeah, you know, you're totally right. I think Byron could repeat. They they have ridiculous depth. Their starting starting core is really unbelievable. They have what Sane, Nabri, Lewa, Muller, Kimmich now, which is absurd. Goretzka, and then Kimmich. Davies, Alaba, Boateng. Bavard. Bavard. Lucas Hernandez. Lucas. Um, and there's a, fuck, a couple other guys, like Xerxes, a young guy who's playing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Kimmich, I mean, that guy, he's just filled in Thiago's space. He's, he's the number six, and he plays the number six. And he sits, and he's, he's been able to do that. The only reason he played right back. Right back. Center made. Yeah, absolutely. He would probably survive. It probably wouldn't be ideal, but yeah. But he was a guy playing right back as a center defensive mid. He actually, I was, I texted Alex this one time and said, like, he actually reminds me of of uh, Kimmich. Alex does, and that he can play a a multiple position. uh, He can play multiple positions, and he can play multiple styles of play as well. And I was, and like you could see, I mean, that just speaks to a class player right there with Kimmich. He freaking, he was a right back, starting right back. He was team, he was nominated for team of the year yet last year, and he, um, and he, uh, and he's actually a center defensive mid or center mid. He he came in and just understands the game, and he's filled in a role that Thiago really did a good job in. Yeah. And filling that in looked like – and Byron, that looked like it was going to kind of be like a – It's Byron so, so good and so difficult to play against because Alaba can do the same thing, but just on the left side. He's played exactly. left back for Byron. He's played CDM for Byron. He's been playing center back recently for Byron. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kimmich got some Champions League award for like best defender in the competition too. So he had been playing some right back for Byron last year in that run. So it's yeah, that they're they're hard to play against because they have a lot of really talented guys who are flexible in the positions and, and within the system. Yeah. That system too is a is a machine. That is a is a very difficult to break machine. German engineering. German engineering right there. Hansi Flick, like it's kind of underappreciated that he's managed to like harness that that quality of of a Bayern style of play, and when you can do it, it's unstoppable. <laughs> like they they've had these unreal runs, um, and they're they're a powerhouse. They're one of the, like when you think of a powerhouse, it's not only that he they're incredibly dominant in the league, but they they won a Champions League. And they're, they're dominating in the Super League, and they're going to dominate in the Club World Cup. I, I think that hasn't happened yet, and they're going to do well in that. And, I mean, you know because you've seen it before and it, with a different players, and it's still – it worked then, it works now. But they also adjusted. You know, back then, it, you, counterattacks could be the bigger role. They still have counterattacks today, but they can possess. They can hold the ball. 
They don't care. I'll keep the ball as long as I want. And then I'll go score a goal with Lewandowski or um, or Nabry or freaking uh, Muller, literally anyone on the field, really, that could step on a Davies, Sané now. So, like you mentioned, um, they – yeah, I, I just don't see them not competing again, highly, at least, in the Champions League. I just, they're really good. <laughs> I'm just kind of scared of them. <laughs> but I kind of want an English team to win it this year, but Spurs aren't in the Champions League, unfortunately. So That's a damn shame. Really? Can't, it's the first time we're not in the Champions League for... It's been a while. Five years, four years. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm... Like, under Potch, we made Champions League every year. Yeah, you did. That was something that was underappreciated. Like, that Champions League is awesome. It's the best. That is the best. And the fact that he got you in them. And then a lot of also just, it's Champions League. It's pedigree. Yeah. And the fact that he got you to that was something that was not appreciated among Spurs fans for whatever reason. I mean, it's not like you're winning anything. So, might as well enjoy the fact that you got to a Champions League final and, like, did well enough. I mean... <laughs> Exactly. So you you have shit to talk. Yeah. But yeah, I I I don't know. I think um, Liverpool could. Mourinho. I think Mourinho is going to finesse a trophy this year. I think. Do you get my first trophy since two thousand eight? I think we will. Because if not, I don't think we'll win the Premier League. I don't think Spurs are good enough to win the Premier League this year. However. We could win the FA Cup. We could win the League Cup. And I think we're probably one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win Euros. Because yeah, yeah, no. that from the squad right now is unbelievable. And it's Mourinho. Like, he's going to rotate these guys and run them into the ground and going to get results. And when we're playing against, like, teams like Red Star, Belgrade, <coughs> and Hakabi. I think Maccabi, I don't even know oh, what their names are. Oh, Maccabi. Maccabi. Uh, Not Israel. But. Yeah. We beat them 7-2 midweek. Like, you're, you're not playing the top teams. So, I yeah, think. It's still the Europa League. Yeah. You've com- I mean, it is Europa League, yes. But you've competed in, like, the top tier that is Champions League for long enough that I think you can win, absolutely. I think Spurs can win. Um, they have a high chance, definitely one of the highest, if not the highest chance. We'll be a lot about health, too. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Is Bale get fit. If Bale can come into the squad. That front three is the best in Europe, and I won't stop. Arguing. In Europa, yes. Huh? In Europa? No, in Europe. In Europe. Bale Kane's son is the best friend three in Europe. Oh, Bale Kane's son. There is, there's definitely an argument for that. I still – I mean, they have to do something. They can't just be the best front three. They have to go for – they got to go a couple years. But that's before they can just solidify themselves as that because we still have, you know, Mane, Firmino, and Salah. So, let's, let's relax. But <laughs> – that being said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bale, those guys are class, and I, those, and if the, if if Bale can come in at some point in this Europa League, it'll be too easy to score goals. It'll be almost like just breathing for you guys because some of the defenses you'll play against are just not going to defend. Um. Yeah. So, but I think 
that'll be big for you guys if you can win. Because, I mean, you haven't won Jack in years. Five years. Since I've seen the trophy. Since you've seen the trophy, yeah. It's been a – yeah. But, I mean, and like you said, they're not going to win Prem. And, I mean, I don't see that. I mean, I don't know. I don't see it happening. Wide open. If, if so open right now. crazy form yeah. and Bale turns back the clock, yes, we can win the Premier League. But I'm, I'm not thinking of that as, like, as a serious option. The only reason I'm willing to accept the possibility of a reality where the Tottenham Hotspur win the, champ- the Premier League is because of just how different soccer is right now with – with uh, with the restart, I mean, it's just, dude. I've never seen something affect a sport, sports really, all sports, like not having fans, like hearing your own players, and that's it. Not hearing jeering and trash talking from from uh, from the fans, and hearing uh, the singing from the fans and the support from the fans, and just hearing your coach, the sideline teammates, your teammates on the field, and then like some clapping. Like it's it's so much more concentrated, and the scale of themselves is really shrunken. It's really down to their team. It's amongst their team. They yell at each other and they feel it within each other. They win with each other. They they don't really win with the fans. They support the fans. They love the fans. Of course you do, but they're not being they're not being uplifted by the fans. And so, like I said, I, I, it's so wide. Like you said, it's wide open. It's so wide open, and I'm so happy it is. But I'm also like, can just Liverpool do it again? That'd be pretty cool. Um, and just keep doing it for like a couple of years. They're like Allison, all of them. Allison's going to get hurt. It won't happen. Because Adrian's going to concede too many goals. If Adrian has to play more. Oh, well, I've been hearing Gazaniga, uh, Paulo Gazaniga, is a. He didn't leave Spurs. He didn't leave, but he's definitely being considered by Liverpool, which. I'm not against January. January transfer. I think January is it was a consideration. Yeah. So I I mean, if Allison can stay healthy for un, until January, and may or he gets hurt, and Adrian keeps underperforming, um, I think Gazaniga could be a very likely signing. That's something that you may see coming your way <laughs> with him being a Spurs team. <laughs> So for some reason, signed Joe Hart, so it's kind of expendable now. Third yeah. String, third string backup. Yeah, and I think he's good. I, I actually like him a lot, and I would take him as, as a backup especially. When Maurice got hurt last year. I'm watching the Spurs documentary right now. Yeah. And there was time where Gazzanini was really, really good. No, I mean, yeah, he, he had some class saves and performances. Yeah. He's a good keeper. Yeah. I would be happy to bring him in, um, especially over Adrian. I mean, it's just it's just hard to stand behind someone who, who's numer- numerously, just it's it's kind of it's it's eye opening when you support someone and then they don't perform the way you expected them to. Not even expected them, but like held them to like a a minimum standard. Like make a save. Don't kick the ball into the striker a couple times. Like after three times, or however, after one time, you'd hope he'd learn. It happens. I am fine with a mistake. You learn from mistakes, and he hasn't learned, and it's pretty damn frustrating. So, 
If also, we, that pass to open the scoring for Villa was heinous. So bad. So bad. Ten yard pass, and he absolutely. It's not even like. Not even close. Close because the center back would have gone there. Like you, but you can't place a pass like that. No, it was. I think it was like five to ten yards in front of. No, five yards in front of him. Yeah, like he's running this way. He's it's in front of him physically, but behind as in, yeah, closer to the the end line. And it was like you can't be you can't win with that. We almost we did. I mean, we won with like um, Danny Ings going off that shit. But that's yeah. You you can't. You have to have a good keeper. That's a big portion of it. I mean, because I think I think it's even. More, I don't, wouldn't want to say it's more important in Champions League because it's really important in both, and it'll hurt you in both if Allison doesn't get healthy. Mm-hmm. But Champions League, Adrian Champions League, just if I was a Liverpool fan, red flag. It, yeah, I mean, we saw, <laughs> we saw it last year, and that was pretty awful. But I think I, I just, I don't know, he's. Also about being a backup in the prem, it's not easy. It's very no, it's not easy being a backup keeper in the prem because Adrian was not even just the competent. He was a good keeper for what West Ham for yeah West Ham years. Like he was competent. He was good. Yeah. But once mistakes creep into your game and once you're second string, I feel you see this a lot with Premier League keepers. There are occasions when. Second strings come in and are fantastic, and then you get like an Emmy Martinez that got sold yeah. because he was so fucking good that he wants to be playing. Out, he won silverware for Arsenal. Like that happens, and when that happens, it usually ends up like it did this year with another team scooping him up. But it's just it's a hard job backup keeper oh, in Prem. Absolutely. And that's the thing with, like, criticizing. That's why I'm, like, very reluctant to say anything about him because, like you said, it's really hard being, one, a backup keeper. So you're not playing every game. You're not expected to play every game. You're only really, like, I don't, I don't, I can't speak to the backup goal experience, but um, the, the goal, I mean, as a backup player, really, you're always look to training. You're training the starter. You're helping the starters get better and better. And maybe you become a starter if you're good enough. But for now, it's, keeping the starters in line. And so he kind of had seemed to accept his role, but it didn't seem like he was prepared to take on the role when, when called upon. And so, I mean, and there's, and like you said, there's, there's a lot of backups who've performed well and some of which who've just been sold. Um, and then there's some who don't perform. Or kind of like Gazaniga, for example, he performed pretty well. He got unlucky, gave up some goals, but he did the job. He completed the job, and it wasn't like, holy God damn, what am I watching? It wasn't ever that. No one was ever like, this guy sucks. Adrian, I've never seen more people just rip on him. And now, like, like I've said, he's a backup keeper and a top side. And, I mean, he's getting good training. Don't get that wrong. He's just – I think he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders and it's very mental. It's incredibly mental. And I mean, you see it in, in, uh, in, in even the top players, you see them when they're down, when they're down and out feeling, feeling as if they're, they're not good enough. 
is the worst feeling ever, especially as a soccer player where you need confidence. You need to be able to know or believe in your heart that I can do whatever it is that I need to do to be better, to be the best if I need to be. And Speaking of keepers like that too, it's got to turn towards Pickford. He's, <laughs> Jesus. And he's not even a backup, he's a starter. And if Everton had a class keeper in this year, I would, I think I would consider their title bid a little more legitimate. That would help. If they had a re- if they had a classical, but he makes so many mistakes and it costs them a lot of points given that their back line is actually pretty good with, with Keen and Mina in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like he, he's out of sync. It's the same thing. I, I keep saying the same thing. But it's a, it's, the thing is about a player and a, a player in a team sport is that you're not just, you know, doing the single job and it doesn't all lay on you. Now, with a goalkeeper, it's a little different. You know, there's a big job there. But, like, you can make certain mistakes that are acceptable and there's a certain number of them that you can make. But when you're playing at the top league in the world – um, with a side that's supposed to compete with the top teams in the world, and he's doing that kind of shit all the time. Same with Kepa. You're just like, how, how is it acceptable reality? I mean, I mean, a lot of, but also a lot of that can come down to coaching. Is that coach absolutely. aware of a mindset of a player? Can the coach pump up a player? Can the coach give this player confidence? Can the coach recognize that this is a good opportunity for a player? All that can factor in. And with Kepa, it definitely did because Lampard, I have no idea why, but he just kept trusting him. The hole just got, kept getting deeper and deeper. Like Kepa's never going to play another important game for Chelsea again with bad thoughts in his head and bad thoughts in the head of fans of Chelsea. Like it's, yeah, he, he's like it's not bad luck. He is synonymous with mistakes and choking and with a huge price tag and a low payoff. Yeah, he's the same. I mean, another, like we said, Maguire and him. I mean, they they have had no payoff. They've had no – it's – I mean, if anything, they, no, I can't even – I can't even try. It's they're, – they're not at their value. Not even close. They're not even half of their value with the way they've performed. And, um, I mean, Pickford, I think he, he, he just bought for cheap. So, it's different. I think he – he's someone who he's actually kind of – and you treat him differently because it's not like they spent uh, the most money ever for him. They spent, I don't even know how much. He might have been a young player for, for them for a while. But he, there's a point, there's a threshold really is what it is. There's a threshold of the amount of mistakes or amount of uh, not clean, no, no, or amount of games without a clean sheet or amount of, uh, just clean sheets, not having any, or maybe even having just one or two, like the limited amount. So there's a series of factors that go into that with deciding a keeper. Now, like you said, it's a coach's thing and understanding the psychology of this player. Can they come on immediately? Are they ready? And can we keep trusting him? And like you said, Kepa has a negative, negative, um, you know, burden right now, but also mindset that's going to be stuck with him forever. But Pickford, I mean, Pickford shines sometimes. I don't, I don't actually like him. I don't think he's very good. But he has shining moments. Well, John, guess, 2018. 
<clears throat> he's had he's had these performances where you're like, oh, okay, I see why. But then you see these things where you're like, I don't know why they still play him. And but then again, like, who's the backup? So it's it's a big decision making. Well, they ever Everton brought somebody in on deadline day. The uh, really. <clears throat> Uh, Robin Olsen, he played in Euros 2016. He was actually like a force and for, for Sweden, I think. And he, they got him from Roma. He's a, he's a pretty good keeper. And I think that's a great piece of business for Everton because, yeah, if Pickford keeps fucking up, you put Olsen in, proven vet, Euro, Euro guy, has experience internationally, has experience nationally. Like, club level he's he's a good solid keeper and if he comes in with a veteran presence that's not making any mistakes in the back line that's already pretty solid and Everton team that's performing and Carlo trying to win a title that could that could be better and I think that's a that's an important piece of business for Everton like a really important I think that's huge I think that's definitely also huge for them in that um they I mean it seems like the final piece they've seemed like they've kind of come together real well Everton And if and the fact that like it's still a conversation, I mean, they did bring in Robin Olsen, so maybe he does a big change. If he's nothing, I mean he's only on, on loan, I just saw. So it's not like they're committing to this guy. But if he does perform, I mean, yeah, he's 30 years old, so he's got a couple of years in him. Also, though, which I was thinking is that he might help improve uh Pickford. He might, you know, motivate him. Um, and that could be a big um, re-steering of the ship for for Pickford in, in the mental sense at least and that he'll be able to trust himself he'll be able to make better decisions and whatnot and that's a huge thing is I mean you see it in keepers most keepers are good shot stoppers more or less I mean you'd give a couple of like eh not so much and some are better at all high level keepers at all high level keepers are good shot stoppers it's really about the communication decision making the movement the ball movement and the movement of really the, just the the vision composure too composure absolutely it's it's a it's having a sorry that's what's been killing Adrian exactly there's a lack of with Adrian it's a lack of um well confidence what it seems like but then mind state yeah it comes from confidence that comes from mind state that lack of composure exactly and there's a there's a like a level of conscientiousness of yourself because you have to be aware like when you make a mistake there's a certain like you have to be able to internalize when you make a mistake you're on an island like you exactly impossible not to be aware you're 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 gonna have to be in a state of denial to not be aware of your own mistakes as a exactly and to not accept the reality of the situation that is like you said making a mistake but there has to be a certain level of also, I don't know what the word would be, but I guess maturity, really. And the fact that you don't have to dive in every single time and just like get stuck in that rut. And basically, if, if the game, the, the time passing in a game is the fact that a ball is rolling and every time that a certain event happens, it's a little, little dip in, that, in the rolling of the, on the hill – the goalie's mind could just fall into a ditch at any moment if one caught in a bad situation, like you've seen with Adrian, Kepa, Pickford, De Gea sometimes. I mean, a lot with De Gea. Um, and all these other guys, other, other goalies that have these ruts, they get caught up in those moments. And, like, I feel terrible for them because goalies don't, don't – goalies aren't 
I mean, you, you don't like teams, but I don't hate individual players. There's some individual players I hate. It's hard to hate a goalie is really what I'm trying to say. And you always pity a goalie. You know that a goalie – Chelsea fan, and you hate Kepler, which I completely understand. Yes, exactly. Adrian, I can kind of understand, but because he's a backup, it's it's you can still appreciate the fact that like he's he has a lot of weight on him when he's doing seventy million pounds. Yeah. So these these guys, it's it seems that the ability is not enough with some of these people, and so I think it's Eric goalies, (laughs) and it's got to be mental and um. I don't know. I really hope for the sake of that. That's funny. That's funny, man. That's going to be, I mean, it's so, it's, yeah, it's really, like I was saying about confidence and composure, it's, it speaks to every position. I mean, you have to have that, that moment of truth where you just freaking you make a decision and you trust yourself and then you keep going on. Um, damn. It's been, and was it two ten for you? Two twenty for you? Twelve twenty. Oh yeah, because it's that's four hours for some reason. That's ten twenty, so it's not that late. But it was great having you, man. Some good bands. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, yeah. It was uh, it was a great conversation. Look forward to having you on again. And um, yeah, take it easy.